0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. And here we are now to talk about food. And uh, one of the things that um, we have, the ubiquity of this object is is quite extraordinary, but it is now something that we take so for granted. And I'm talking about our little phones and if we, you know, the oft sort of claimed thing that uh, we have more computing power than hmm. the Apollo 11 yeah. <laughs> in our back yeah. pockets. And we also, every one of us has... The ability to record things, be it oral or visual, on these devices, on these um, on these smartphones that we have, and we're all taking pictures, pictures of everything. But a lot of us are taking pictures of food. It seems, like, look at my loaf of sourdough. <laughs> Again, <laughs> yeah, that's right. and, I, and I know, and people, I have been there. There are. Cheap target, the sourdough makers, mainly because I haven't. Have you been doing sourdough?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm one of those who tries to claim I've been doing it before the the plague.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But have you been taking pictures of them? No. And do you take pictures of food? Because there's these camps of people about the people that take pictures of food, some obsessively.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't. Partly because I don't think I'm very good with the camera.
0: (laughs) Well, Maybe we could make you better.
1: (laughs) Because
0: standing by our first guest for today is Kate Shannessy. And Kate Shannessy knows how to take a photo. Mm -hmm. She knows how to get a frame. She knows how to light. She knows how to build sets around things so that she can get proper shots of things. You'll see her work in uh, broadsheet, advertising. Um, Look, we'll, we'll get her to say... You know, there's
1: blow no, her horn. There's no doubt that pictures make a good cookbook, is it?
0: isn't it? it? They help. Oh. Like, don't you – you know, for a long time there was that sort of notion, and I had that too. It's like, I just want to see how the dish looks. But we've got Kate Shannessy. She is um, uh, does a lot of work on broadsheet, uh, around the traps. She's going to be on the line. She's going to tell us how to take better photos with our devices. It's about getting the light through that lens. How do you get that light in? <laughs> that's where I'm can, going wrong. If there's enough of it. Um, and then we're going to do something that's unprecedented and extraordinary and a little bit disappointing and a little bit sad. But all things will pass.
1: We'll be talking to John by phone. <gasps> Has this ever been done before Cam?
0: I don't know. I'm going to check with him. I don't think so. Oh, wow. Because... um. With the restrictions that we're all too very well aware, um, you can only do your shopping within five kilometres. Yep. I rang a fearless leader, Dave (laughs) Houchin, to try and get some sort of dispensation. (laughs) Come on, mate. I got to get to the market and talk to John. He went, "No, mate, it's like uh Cam Loophole Smith." <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was that sound? The sound of the loophole being shut. So anyway, Dave went, "Nah, I got news soon, you, and it's all bad. You're gonna have to ring him on the phone." So we're going to talk to John by the phone, <coughs> and then we're going to go into this Apuleian memory. You remember? The Madeleine of uh, remembrance of things past.
1: Remembrance of things past. Yeah, yes. that's it. Did you ever read it, S- Swan's Way? Did, yeah. Do you what? you read it? Yeah, it was uh, far out. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. i um, sorry. What I'm referring to is one a great nineteenth century uh, work of literature called uh, Remembrance of Things, things Past.
1: past yeah. Memories and the subject of a very funny Monty Python skit. Really? Yes.
0: I don't think I've heard that. But, um, but so anyway, um, sorry. I'm gone a little bit too far down that hole, but um, I was in a supermarket contemplating a jar of Vegemite, and this sort of stream of consciousness sort of happened, so what we're going to get into is, I'm going to ask the question of you, dear listener, hopefully subscriber, um, as to what is the oldest brand, Australian and overseas, that we have in our supermarkets, can you think of what you reckon the oldest food brand has to be edible? so you no know, someone just wrote to me on Instagram because I put it out there on instagram uh-huh. um, and they said, "What about kiwi boot polish and i went well i 've heard of people drinking it to get the the methanol." But maybe and it not. It looks
1: like Vegemite.
0: Yeah, it looks like Vegemite. Just doesn't smell as good, though. And it's a bit flammable, too, which is a bit of a worry. So have a think about that. We're going to come back and we're going to reveal uh, while having a bit of a discussion about um, Australian brands and brands in general that are might be older than you possibly think. You are listening to 3RRFM. Triple Kate! Yeah,
2: yeah Kate.
0: You, bur- you burst through there. Um, may I introduce you to the listeners of uh, of this fabulous radio station and this show A fabulous photographer who is here to help us And one of the great things was she said Yeah, I can give you some tips Kate Shanassy, a very, very good afternoon to you Hello,
2: thanks for having me It is
0: a pleasure How is your Sunday going?
2: Uh, beautifully well. I've been to it for a walk. I visited uh, a new place that's opened up around the corner from me called Jazz Delhi in Northcote, where I'm from, and yeah, it's been pretty lovely. That's
0: good. It has, has Red Door going.
2: How's what? Sorry,
0: the Red Door.
2: Oh, red door around the corner from me. Yes, very good. My housemate went there to actually pick up some bread. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're supporting our locals at the moment.
0: Ah, uh, and what good locals you have there! All the Welcome, of course, around the corner, some of the best pastries.
2: Yeah, I'm an absolute breadhead. So, um, yeah, I bake <laughs> regularly, and I think All the Welcome do a, a terrific job at baking bread. Did I'm you
0: say? Did you say breadhead?
2: Yeah, well, I think I actually did it awesome. up now. I don't know if that's a thing. No, it is. It's such a
0: I, thing. I mean...
2: It, let's
0: do it, yeah. There's uh, there's a, a band from a very, like, generations ago called the Grateful Dead, and all the people who uh, were fans of them were known as deadheads. So being a breadhead is, you know, it's kind of... That's kind of cute.
2: It is very rock and roll.
0: How on earth did you get uh, into this... Uh, uh, representation of people and objects and turning life into a captured situation. What was your inspiration?
2: Um, that is a good question. I've actually stumbled across this whole job. I studied, I was going to be an urban planner, I think, um, but I have been taking photos and I started writing for a new station called Broadsheet about six and a half years ago. And it's addictive stuff. I just kept meeting brilliant people, doing brilliant things. Yeah, and right. Picked up a camera and I've been kind of making it up as I've been going, but thankfully, um, it's just too exciting. Not it's too exciting to put down. So I've kind of created a little freelancing monster.
0: How did you get your first in to something as um, notoriously hard to get into as broadsheet? Yeah,
2: because it's a bit
0: of a it's a bit of a clique and a bit of a closed kind of club, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is actually. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of us haven't left. We still have, um, we still keep busy with Broadsheet. But I think the first article I wrote was for a Championship, championship competition, I think, at T2. And I just kept writing heaps and heaps of articles to, I sent them to a brilliant guy called Tim Fisher, who was the uh, editorial director at the time. And he kept giving me feedback and. And I kept sending them articles, and then they published that T2 story. And then from there, they just commissioned new pieces. And I just thought, oh, okay, I'll keep writing. And it didn't really. It took a while for me to realise that I actually was working, and that was my job. And then freelancing came second to that, and I'm still going.
0: And boom, and here you are, and here I am from Triple R talking to you about how on earth do we make our uh, photos that we take with our phones? Yeah. Because
2: I just saw your post on your Instagram, actually, and let's talk about it. Let's let's oh. give you some let's help
0: let's give you some help. Oh God! <laughs> and, and I and, and just I didn't ask for this, did I? <laughs> just so that we we're clear on that. All right. So, which what are you talking about? Uh, Cam Smith it uh, Instagram thing? What the thing of the tuna salad stuff? Yeah, tuna right.
2: salad. I think. Look, I, it's actually not a bad photo at all. Oh, but I just thought oh, that'd be nice. Okay, right. <laughs>
0: Okay, right. So, um, first of all, okay, I burnt the toast a little bit.
2: Oh, oh, you concealed it well.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's all about the light, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, so um, go, critique away. <laughs>
2: um, oh, well, oh, I, I feel bad now to just critique. I, <laughs> I thought you actually did a brilliant job, but I just think some general rules, Yeah. and I actually always kind of break my rules. That's the thing with photography is that it's, you know, there's a time and place for everything, I think.
0: Yeah, but you've got to know the rules before you can break them is uh, one (laughs) of the great aphorisms.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Mm. But um, I would say general rule, a good one, is natural light. Use a window in your house. Mm. Mm. Take the dish there and and you can have fun with um, bouncing lights. I think like a... Big white card or a white T-shirt. I've actually. Can I paraphrase
0: for you there, Kate? Absolutely, yes. Diffused light is your friend.
2: Diffused light, absolutely, yes. It softens the light. It's kind of it kind of scatters the light into. Stop
0: laughing, Kent. Beautiful. Kent's laughing at me. Sorry about that, Kate. Why? Why? I don't know because I made a big thing about diffused light (laughs) as our friend. I was. You can't see the hand actions that are making. making. There's, ge-
1: there's a lot of gesturing. <laughs> Was
2: it like sparkle, sparkle fingers, I
1: imagine? Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. Spirit, <laughs> yeah, spirit fingers and jazz hands. Um,
2: okay. So, I'm doing the same thing here now.
0: Good. So so why is diffused light better?
2: Um, because diffused light, it kind of breaks up the light into lots of, it scatters the light into lots of little particles, I guess, and it softens the ditch that you're shooting. mm if that kind of makes sense, direct light is very harsh. And um, so you can – I mean, if you're at home and you've got a window and you've got direct light coming through the window, you can even just hold a sheet. If you've got someone else's bare pair of hands, or just tape it to the window and you can use a sheet, which is very good.
0: Oh, you can I have an know. assistant.
2: Yeah, you need assistance. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you kind of – or you need eight arms, I think. Yeah. You, I think. But, yeah, if you've got some, an extra pair of hands, that's a good tip, I think. Um, and also bouncing, bouncing lights is one of my favorite things to do with food photography. So if you've got a dish that needs, or that has reflective surfaces on it, like it's oily or it's got a sticky sauce or mm. things like honey, um, definitely bouncing light, kind of move around the dish a little bit and try and find where the light catches on those reflective surfaces. And I feel like that's, that's one of my favorite things to do with food photography. I think that's a winner.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: hmm
0: um, I can absolutely keep going if you'd like me to. Yeah, well, that's um, what we got you. <laughs> um, um, so, okay, well, so let's look at, okay, you've used this thing as a uh, as an example. So it's a picture okay. of, I don't know, it's tuna and beans. Um, it's okay. really easy dish. There's a big blob of, uh, I'm just describing it for people just in case you're not looking at the Instagram. <clears throat> it's in a bowl. Yeah. Blob of thing. It's got some ricotta with a bit of smoked paprika to make it a bit chef-y. A cheek of lemon, because that's very on point still. uh, And then these points of toast that sort of radiate around it.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, What I've actually done before is, um, when I've been out shooting, is uh, if the citrus isn't looking as vibrant and, and juicy as it should be, I dunk it in water sometimes. And then that also makes it more reflective, which I love. Um, and what
0: else did that? You dunk it in think, water. There are so many. Yeah, this is in water. this is getting into the the food stylist things, and um, we really need. I'd love to quickly chat about that because there are so many incredible tricks that um, people employ uh, to make food look great, like you know, glycerin on beer bottles uh, for that that beautiful condensation that happens. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the one that I heard of, which actually I've seen because I've worked on TV shoots or uh, film shoots where if you need steaming food, one of the greatest things is the tampon in the microwave, on (laughs) for ages, and then you stick it underneath and you just get this awesome steam rising, it rocks. Yeah.
2: I have heard this. I haven't done, I, I haven't gone as far as that, but I have heard those kinds of tricks where you have like a, a hot broth kind of bowl behind yep. um, a, a dish that's gone cold. But I tend to shoot really quickly. I mean, with board feet, you and, only get an hour. And that's what of, most people so.
0: do. So I apologize for that digression. It is all about getting light through that lens. And how do you facilitate and help that process along?
2: Uh, I think it's just where you choose to shoot. work with the light first. So be aware, well, when I shoot at venues, I, I used to actually look at the orientation of the venue before arriving there and I would make sure I knew where the north facing windows were or where the light would be the strongest so that I would have the most flexible use of light. But now that I've, um, I guess, evolved and I've got a really nifty photography, like flash set, light set, so I can shoot anywhere in the restaurant and I'm pretty happy. But with natural light, work with the sun and what the sun's doing. And the sun is the most beautiful in the afternoon, in my opinion, when it casts long shadows and, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, when so you're getting into that light.
0: that light shift, when you're sort of getting into that golden hour or before yeah. that?
2: The go- well, I, I like before the golden hour and then the golden hour. I think a lot of photographers do, for sure, because there's, there's a really, it's just, it's magic, beautiful.
0: And that's why actually shooting in autumn is so great, because you get that awesome light shift. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a, a preference for um, have you used enough phones that you have a preference for any or have you got any anything to say? Because most of us are, are just using our phones to take those photos so how do we use these handheld devices to, to get a better image? What should we be thinking of and doing? Oh, I think if you
2: keep it really still then that is um, a good trick with a phone but really it's, really it's just the light. I think the light is most
0: important thing, and then to, yeah, just... So uh, so paraphrasing, what what you're saying is fluorescent light is not our friend.
2: Oh, here we go, okay, yes. Good starting point, turn all the lights off in your house, Mm. definitely, and then see where the natural light is. And I would work with natural light completely, but, um, and then using kind of a white card or someone wearing a white T-shirt to bounce light back onto where those shadows are (laughs) on the dish. Yeah, I, I just, I um, just love like,
0: this conversation. They're saying, honey, I need you to put that white T-shirt on. Yeah, it, it's, it's for that, art. I've asked someone
2: in a restaurant to stand in a, that was wearing a white <laughs>
0: T-shirt to stand
2: in a particular place for me. Come here, yeah, don't move. Think,
0: don't move. I'll tell um, you when to move. No, no, don't move. <laughs> don't move or I will kill you. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Um, what...
2: Uh, have fun with with fun props and get messy with it and um i think the experience of actually enjoying the food is also nice so you know get hands in there and ask someone to um smush around the sauce on the plate or you know uh, pour a, a sticky sauce honey out and let it ooze. that gets some movement into the shot as well i think that's um yeah Kind of capturing a moment of
0: food, with food. Ah, yeah, okay. So rather than Flemish still life, it's sort of like you get this sort of sense of creation, of a dish coming (laughs) to be, rather than just being fixed in time.
2: Yeah, so I I kind of approach people. If someone's by themselves at a restaurant, then I will target them, Mm -hmm. and I will ask if they'd like to be involved, and I'll just ask them to enjoy it. Can can you
0: wear this white (laughs) T-shirt, please? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Put this white T-shirt on, will you?
2: Yeah, it's, um. yeah, I, I would, there's probably someone that's listening that I've even targeted one time at a restaurant or a cafe. Oh, I think I met her.
0: Yeah, she just dragged me <laughs> into the thing and told me not to move and I was late for an appointment and everything.
2: Oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> uh, but they get to eat the food and then it saves me from kind of eating my way around Melbourne. I can't eat all the plates that I shoot. Yeah. So helps me out too.
0: Uh, have you got a favourite? Is um, do you, I was sort of alluding to this before? Um, is there a particular phone on the market that is the the absolute gun for taking photos that you found?
2: Oh well, because I, I my preference is my camera. I try I try not to take too many photos on my phone. But yes. I had a, okay. I don't want to put a particular brand this, in the bin. But this I is had... for
0: civilians, you know, not <laughs> not professional
2: broadsheet photographers well, like okay. yourself. I'm pro-Apple because I like to airdrop photos across from my computer to my phone. But I don't know. I, I mean, I've got an Apple iPhone. It's not that great. I had a Samsung for a bit, and I, di- I didn't even know how to use it. Mm-hmm. For four months, I still couldn't learn how to use it. So um, I, I think there would be many people that would have a lot more techie phones than me. So I'm definitely not someone to recommend a good phone there.
0: Mm. And uh is there a favourite type of food that you love to shoot more than any others? Ooh, it's like picking um, a favourite child, isn't it, <laughs> who's, who's not moving? <laughs> no,
2: I definitely have favourites. Oh, I'm good. Lucky that I, um, I get to work with such brilliant chefs and in beautiful restaurants that my work is quite easy because the dish comes out looking incredible. But uh, I think I, I, I'm going through a phase now where I like um, shooting Asian dishes because they've got so many sticky... Sauce elements or like a broth or something, and I find um, I find those dishes really fun to shoot. And it can be quite messy as well. I like to get messy with the photography and just kind of let it get, a, not out of control, but let it kind of go in a direction that I couldn't have thought that it would go. So, yeah.
0: Well, that, yeah. that kind of makes sense. And uh, one of the things you did actually like to say to me was um, the fact that um, you sort of build sets... Um, in your home to, what am I trying to, what am I looking at, to get light in and to get things to look right and you sort of, you're quite a good builder yourself and problem solver.
2: Oh, well that's, yeah, that's the, I think because I started out um, making it up, I haven't been, um, I guess I haven't been trained, I didn't do a photography course so I've kind of just made it up as I've gone along and, and used objects, just found objects as instead of professional equipment. So over the years, I kind of, yeah, I guess it's just experimenting. It's just playing. It's just taking a photo. The good thing with digital cameras is you can take a photo, have a look, and then change something yeah. and have a look. So there's that immediate, um, I guess, response. So yeah, or immediate feedback. And so, that, yeah, you really can make it up.
0: That is awesome. Um, Kate, look, you've been kind enough to um, uh, share some ideas with us, and it's been delightful having a chat with you. Um, where can we see your work?
2: Uh, you can see my work. I have my own Instagram page. It's just my name, Kate Shannessy, and my work is on Broad as well. You can check it out there. Mm. and um, Or I've, you can follow my bread page. I have... Um, a buns and puns, a really silly page, but it's probably my favourite one actually to manage, so come you, to bread with me it's that page there so did, you can find did, me in all of those pages
0: Sorry, did you say buns and puns?
2: Have I not told you about my bread page? No. Come to bread with me Well,
0: I we'll have, we'll have to talk about that, <laughs> and you also have to tell me how I improved that photo, because you never actually told me
2: Oh, I think, um, I think you should shoot it under natural light and I think that um, you should
0: put, like, a drizzle uh, a dressing on it, some oil. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, put, I put a bit of oil on top of that, but I, I left it too long and then I came back to it too late. So regrets, I've had a few, Kate. But thanks to you, I will improve, and so will all of us. We're, we're better people thanks to you, Kate. Yes, yeah,
2: please, show me your
0: work as well on Instagram. I've, I would love that. All right. Kate, have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful People's Republic of North. Northcote. I miss it greatly.
2: Thank you, I will. And you have a great
0: day as well. Thanks, thanks, Kate. Everyone. Bye-bye. That was Kate Shanese, super photographer. Yeah, that's where you are, Station in isolation. We're here for you. And a man that I didn't get to see today in, in, in what I think is almost an unprecedented situation. We do market report via phone. Hello, John.
3: Hello, Kim. How are you? It is very much unprecedented. I can't the only remember time st- we do this stuff is at Easter or Christmas.
0: Yeah, I was trying to remember when we actually. No, we couldn't do it at Christmas because we're not on air. And anyway, well, maybe Easter. I miss. Easter. I miss you, John. I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks, and I'm all, And I already miss you. Are you it okay?
3: Is, I'm very, very good. It's a strange feeling because yeah. I'm sitting on top of the truck here with my back in the sun, alone, and you're banked <laughs> up in the in the studio there. You're so. in the truck. Yeah, sitting on you, top of the truck on a container.
0: What do you, is that to get good reception or are you just are you no, isolating yourself? Nothing
3: to do, so <laughs> I'm soaking up the sun. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a few people trickling through, but mm. a lot of the people that, that can come in because of the five-kilometre rule came in um, Friday and uh, yesterday, yeah. and today there's few of the locals that are probably uh, studying or too busy at work. Uh, trickling through today, but it's very quiet.
0: And this is actually the de- the deadly serious thing, so I will put on my deadly serious voice.
3: Yeah, we're still lucky though. We we've got beautiful vegetables for those that can oh. come in, and um, they're making the most of it.
0: You got um, eggplants? Sorry, have you got eggplants?
3: You're bouncing a bit.
0: Oh, sorry, I I I, I meant to be a little bit sort of. Uh, have you got eggplants? Because those are always I solve lovely. That.
3: Funnily enough, I huh. sold out. I I bought what I'd buy in a normal week, and I sold out of eggplant. Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had lovely field eggplant, um, but I got lucky at eggplant twice this week. I had um, like uh, an eggplant lasagna, but no no pasta in it. Yep, uh, we layer the eggplant, and last night she did it in a batter, and um, oh, that's drunk, I should say. Of course, uh, did it did it in a beautiful batter, and. Um, it really went well, beside um, the rest of the food that we were eating.
0: Some say she's your better half.
3: Yeah, definitely, because um, <laughs> sometimes you can be a little bit fiery, but mostly she's the most placid one. So, yeah. well, I can say that
0: for you too, John. Sometimes yeah, you're a little bit fiery too.
3: Yeah, yeah, fiery that's what guy. I mean. And, and, um She's cooking up a storm, so we're yeah. all
0: happy. Uh, question. Uh, eggplant, uh, we can't really call it a lasagna because the purists will slap my wrist. Ow! Sorry. Um, what was in the layers between the eggplant, just out of curiosity?
3: Well, you... we, we don't. It's not a, a, lasagna, a parmigiana because we don't quite. it. What we do is we put um, a little bit of uh, tomato or, or a sauce in the bottom of the dish mm. and you put your eggplant. Mm. And then you put the layers of um, sliced onion, um, parsley, garlic, Pasco. tomato, and yeah. um, pepper if you want, mm. and then you keep layering it up. Oh, and the bread crumbs, sorry, <gasps> use the very fine crummies. You put um, a little bit of that in between each layer as well, and uh, a nice layer on top, um, which you drizzle a little bit of oil. And a little bit of the tomato juice to moisten up the bread crumbs mm-hmm. and then shove it in the oven and it goes a beautiful golden brown on top and it's nice and moist in the middle um when i was living with mom and dad Mum and i used to enjoy it my dad hated it but he still eat it but um now franca does it and we all enjoy it very much and it's so easy and uh quick to do and, and you know, you could even make a meal just out of the eggplant
0: something like that because there's so much in it. Sure, can I was I was interested because I, I did that the other day. Uh, same sort of thing, but I put uh, eggplant, and then I just did a layer of spinach, and then I did a layer of um, the more eggplant, and then ricotta. Little, yeah, why not? It could work. L- little bit of ricotta, and then a little bit of Napoli on top of that, and then yeah, the breadcrumbs so that it went crisp. And you get the crisp yeah. and you get this contrast between the softness of the ricotta and the spinach and the eggplant and then this crisp, crunchy thing on the top. And it's bloody
3: awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, bloody well, beautiful. like I say, there are no rules. You can always improvise and change things. That's it. In life for the day, you know? You
0: get another go um, <laughs>
3: while, we, while we're still alive, John. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry. We're going to be here for a long time. We'll beat this.
0: Hey. Sure. Hey. Um, all right, well, I'm going to ask you, as you look around from... Let's just, uh, let's just get that image for everybody out there in Radioland. John is in his truck. He's uh, on top of the
3: truck. He's
0: on, on top of the, top of the truck. Clock. Get down from the truck. No, stay up there. You're comfortable. Um, and he's sunning himself, but I want you to look around like you're in the crow's nest of a ship and tell us the pick of the market. Pick of the market...
3: A lot of people that don't normally buy a lot of tomatoes, like sometimes they might buy two or three, mm. um, have bought a kilo or more because the tomatoes that I've got have um, ripened slowly because it's very, very cold. There's not a lot of colour in the tomatoes, but yes. I've been lucky I've had beautiful Murray Bridge tomatoes with a lot of colour and we've had different sizes. So people have been buying them um, to have a quick salad some with different meals. And then I've got the uh, big mini cherry truss, and of uh, the baby cherry truss tomatoes
0: on branch,
3: on branch, on branch. <laughs> buying the uh, mini truss, the bigger ones, because they're a softer, sweeter tomato. Yeah, uh, they've been having them with their breakfast. Uh, we stewed them up and um, floated the eggs on top, and then had some beautiful toast. Oh um, yeah,
0: okay. with
3: them. Um, people have been making bacon, eggs and tomatoes and toasties with them. And the normal cherry tomatoes, people are just having them in a salad. Some are laying them in the um, baking dish and putting them into the oven. I find them too strong, but a lot of people love them. Yes. Um, even they put a little bit of balsamic, I reckon it tames the strongness down a bit. And then we've got the other heirlooms like Rouge de Marmond and the Black Russians. Um, and they've been trying them out as well and... Um, having a feast. Um, peas and beans is normal. They've all run away. Uh, we've only got a handful of beans and a handful of peas. Um, I sold a little bit more pumpkin this week. People are making a little bit of soup. Mm. Um, Some having big roast. Um, we've been selling beautiful carrots and parsnips and that to put in the roast. Uh, as usual, what can I say? There's, there's everything out there. There's an abundance of vegetables and there's abundance of fruit. Unlike the supermarkets where some people have been stupid and gone and cleaned out the shelves, uh, we've got a supply of everything. There's, there's enough food out there for everyone. As there so,
0: always was, even at the, the darkest hour of no toilet paper in our realities, the market was always full of food.
3: Oh, as it is. Yeah, it's just some crazies, you know, and we'd we'd like to entertain the thought that we had nice plain people come in and do the right thing and buy what they needed and went home and cooked up a storm. Looking across, you know, I can see two or three different varieties of bananas, um, half a dozen different beautiful apples and mandarins and oranges, um, cara as well, the red orange, which, you know, just something different. I like those. Yeah, and, and nice to juice up just yep. to break the colour and the flavour. So, and again, there's an abundance of everything. There's a few exotics coming in. There's, um, pawpaw, there's papaya. Um, there, I saw some, um, over in the organic side.
0: Oh, that's it, that's exotic. Well, I guess the thing is, John, um, although. We can't get to see you uh, in this stage, um, mate. I wish you all the best for uh, the next few weeks. I we might check up on you after Radiothon because it is Radiothon for the next two weeks coming up. Good, yes. Um, and yes, uh, we might give you a ring. Oh God, I'll be September by then. So we'll give you a call in September. Um, give me a call if you miss me. I'll, I'll take it. I
3: will. I, will. <laughs> I was thinking of having a four-week break, but yeah. I've decided it's better that I come to work and keep active. Keep yeah. my customers happy. That's my it. staff was begging me, please don't close on board at home. Yeah. So you know, we'll for... come and we'll do it right and everyone will be happy.
0: Thanks, John. Well, lovely to all speak right. to you. I say goodbye to Franka.
3: everyone keeps safe and you too. I oh, will thank you.
0: You keep safe too. It is. Uh, oh, ooh. how not that funny that we go over on a market report?
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, John. I'll tell you, what, you must be missing this sun. It's beautiful on the back.
0: I am missing the sun. I'm missing the outside world. Wow. But... uh, Enjoy it. Yes, as much as we can in a five-kilometre radius. Thank you, John.
3: Thank you. All the best.
0: I want to take you into the supermarket. So, Kent. Yes, Kent. There I was, in Coles, with my mask on, in a mood of contemplation. As I often am in the supermarkets, no, I lie about that. I'm not usually. But um, <laughs> the thing was that I was I was staring at this jar of Vegemite, right? Uh huh. Yellow topped, iconic Aussie brand. Sure is. And uh, and I was kind of taken back to this earlier Melbourne where a certain Cyril Callister had thought through the process of, and uh, I'm going to might say this wrong, otolysis. Autolysis. Anyway, a, a thing where he was able to extract... Autolys. Autolys. Ah, a- A-U-T-O-L-Y-S-I-S, yep. anyway, developed. Yep. And he developed Vegemite way, 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 way back in 1923. Actually, it was 1922, didn't get on till 1923, where he named it, and you could see he wasn't really the marketing guy, and Vegemite always had this problem with marketing in the early thing, pure vegetable extract. I've got it. It's like, remember Pure and Simple?
1: Yeah, I do. Absolutely. The, the
0: scientist came up with the name Fatless Fry, <laughs> which the advertising bit, we're going to get on to that. Anyway, so um, I also have to say a big thanks to uh, Madam Pearls. Hey, Pearl, if you're listening. She sent me through a photo of a plaque commemorating the work that Cyril did um, in... He developed this thing in Kerford Road in around South Melbourne, Albert Park. Huh. There's a plaque there, 76 Kerford Road.
1: And you know it predates sliced bread?
0: It does. It does because that was 30s? 28. 28?
1: 28.
0: 28 29, 28, I think. Yeah, because when you say there is a moment where you can actually define sliced bread. But also Vegemite was the first product to be electronically scanned at a checkout in April 1984. Huh. A 4.1-ounce jar, in case you were wondering. Um, so it was an old iconic product, and, but the thing that I was wondering as I was looking at that, it's like, Jesus, this is really old. I'm wondering, what's older than this? Because, you know, we were talking about, we had this thing, we had that coffee and chicory essence, which was bushels. Mm. And that was developed in the 1930s, and we spoke about that. If you weren't listening to the show, um, Ken and I were talking about that about
1: three weeks ago. Something like that, yeah, yeah.
0: And I made a banana bread with
1: a with an icing. Oh, on and it. very good too.
0: And very. Thank you very much. Not that I was fishing for <laughs> compliments, but I'll take it. Um, so I, I was wondering what the oldest line and branded item was, because um, we shop mainly under the fluorescent lights of the two big supermarkets, uh, and there's a good things and bad things about that, uh, bad things when you hear that a competitor wants to come into the country because, quote, the margins are so good, <sighs> then you have to, but hey, uh, anyway, okay, I digress. So let's, I've, I have I have the winners of the oldest, and they sound like this. Oh. There they are. Funnily enough, they sit next to each other in the supermarket shelves. Right. They are brothers from another mother, though. hmm Brothers from another mother keep, it, keep your eyes on that So you might think Twining's tea Yeah that came to mind Yeah me too
1: Bushels something or other
0: um, So Twining's oh, tea Holds the world's Oldest continually used Company logo And Oldest continually used Company logo In Europe I'd say that is And is uh, And has been in London At 216 Strand Street London Since 1706 Problem is, the brands, my friends, the brands. So Earl Grey tea was uh, came into existence in the 1830s. And funnily enough, you know English breakfast tea, which I don't know. i sort of, for some reason, I think of Queen Victoria having a cup of sure. English breakfast tea with the pinky extended. Yep. or oh, maybe she doesn't have to do that because she's the queen. That didn't come into, uh, into an existence since until 1933. So... Eh,
1: Scratch that. Lee and Perrin's Worcester sauce. Although just while you're doing that reflection in age and the royal brands, I wonder, would have that been taken out of a Wedgwood?
0: Huh? Oh, yeah, Wedgie. Uh, not a Wedgie, sorry. Uh, that's another connotation altogether. You do not give the Queen a Wedgie or you might lose your head. Um, Wedgwood, yes, or uh, maybe a Spurred. A Spurred. Spurred. Something lovely. Um, maybe not Willowware because that was made for the masses. That's just something to to think of. But Lee and Parents Worcester sauce or Worcestershire sauce um, is perhaps probably the region's most famous product. It was produced uh, in Worcester by two chemists, John Wheely Lee and William Perrin's. that first went on sale in 1837. That's old man. Mm-hmm. So whenever you get one of those things of Worcester sauce mm-hmm. or Worcestershire sauce, whatever you want to call, it, if you want to make your Bloody Mary. Or into your eggs, or whatever else you use that for, that was 1837. Now, a couple, and I'm going to reveal these soon, these two oldest brands, but just here's some other ones that you might want to think about Soya sauce, Kikoman. So we all have Kikoman. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize that Kikoman has a really special meaning. It, like many Japanese names, kiko means turtle shell. In Japanese, and um, uh, what was it? And man, according means ten thousand. So, according to Japanese legend, turtles live to be ten thousand years old, and is symbolic of happiness, success, and longevity. So, Kikoman, when you look at that, now that's about a tortoise. That company came together around in the seventeenth century, but Kikoman as a corporation didn't come into Uh, being until 1917. So they're out. I was asking about you because you spent some time in Japan, Yamasa.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I can't bring it to mind. Well, that's really, really old,
0: 1645, Um, if you can see that. You might get that in an Asian food store. But Yamasa, I'll just say that again, Yamasa soy sauce doesn't count because it's not in the supermarkets, 1645. And we need to do an apology about Bickford's Cordial in Australia. Um, So I'll just go through because we've only got a few minutes left. Um, Bickford's Cordial, they were the first ones – Bickford's – sorry. Bickford's of South Australia. uh, They came from England and they started – where is it? The the Australian Cordial Factory in 1872. So that's really quite old. And we should also acknowledge the fact that coffee and chicory essence – Came about ten years before uh, the Bushels people did. Arnotts, eighteen was that seventy four, and the one that's still on the market today is the milk arrowroot biscuit, which was started in eighteen eighty two. All right, let's talk about two tins which I have in front of me. The first. Is yellow. Whoops! Here we go. I'm holding it up. You recognise that? Yes, I do. This would be your Keens mustard powder. So you'll find this in the spice aisle. And Keens mustard was started by a guy called Thomas Keen, and he started this mustard factory oh, all round about the city of London in 1742. <laughs> That's. I don't know. That kind of amazes me that we're having a product on our shelves which comes from 1742. So this is, in fact, the oldest European product on the supermarket shelves, Keen's mustard. Um, They had a huge factory. The firm employed over a 1,000 people and was notable for not employing women, except for in sack mending. Oh, good Let's just put that to the side. Let's not go there. Okay, so you would think that Keen's mustard and Keen's curry powder, its little buddy next to it, um, uh, both from the same company, right? You'd think that. Wrong. <laughs> Thank you. You've, you've done both. Um, Keen's Curry Powder was started by a carpenter, and his name was Joseph Keen, who migrated to Tasmania from Gloucester in the 1840s. And in the 1850s, he ran a store in Kingston with his second wife, Annie. His first wife died, sort of. Which was sad, um, where they produced a range of sauces and condiments and children, my God, 16 of them, nine daughters and seven sons, and curry powder. And this curry powder is a blend of turmeric, coriander, salt, fenugreek, black pepper, chilli, rice flour, allspice and celery, no cumin. That's one thing that makes this difference. Uh, it won awards. Um... An award at the 1866 Intercolonial Exhibition in Melbourne, by the way, won its category. And um, this curry powder, which I always thought was related to the yellow tin, there you go, that's the sound they make. Well, I can smell that curry powder, is from completely different companies. But next time you get a thing of Keene's curry powder to make some, maybe some curried eggs, because it's still good for that. Check out the logo, because if you look really, you almost have to take, be a Kate Shannessy and take a photo of it, and you'll see it has a scallop shell, because the Tasmanians have a thing about curried
1: scallop pies. Very good. So there it is. Keen's mustard, Keen's curry powder. Cam, real quick, not to rain on your parade, but I just did, I used my Google fingers, Cascade Beer 1824. Ooh. It's not on our supermarket shells, technically, so it doesn't fit your criteria, but...
0: 1824.
1: Those Tasmanians. Oh, what was going on?
0: They really got it. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us
2: via the Triple R website.